0: Everybody, this is Neha Shingane, host of the Building Our Vision podcast. On this podcast, we talk to people in the ATD Atlanta network and analyze the most monumental changes going on in the world today. Together, we try to find ways to learn, grow, and build our vision for the future. And who better to help us understand our future of learning than virtual reality expert Dave Beck? What's up, Dave?
1: Hey, Neha, great to see you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yes, we're so happy to have you on. Um, Dave is founder and managing partner at Foundry 45, an immersive technology company that develops enterprise-level virtual reality training experiences. Um, He's had notable clients such as AT&T, Coca-Cola, Delta, and UPS, Um, and so we're so glad to have you with us. Um, okay. So Dave, so for season two, I'm trying to do things a little bit differently. Um, I'm gonna try to get to know you without getting into like your bio and all that kind of stuff. And I've comprised a list of like really scientific questions to help <laughs> us get to like your very heart. Okay. Um, okay. so answer these as fast as you can. All right. Ready? What Harry Potter house would you be?
1: <laughs> all right. So I love <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, yeah. wow. <laughs> uh, I want to say Gryffindor, right? Because, you know, most of the main characters were Gryffindor and uh, and that. But I guess I could also see Ravenclaw. My, my son actually did. There's an online uh, sorting hat that you can do. Uh-huh. And he did it recently, or actually a while back, I guess. And he was sorting it into Ravenclaw. And I thought, you know, I could see that being it. So... I don't know. Can yeah. You, can you combine them? Could it be like Griffin Claw or something? Or, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: What about um, you? What about you? Do you have a what would your house be? Yeah, What's so, your yeah. house?
0: I think I would be a Ravenclaw, too. Like I'm a huge nerd, you know, like and I grew up reading Harry Potter and like Harry Potter fan fiction and just, you know, just the whole thing. So I think I would definitely be a Ravenclaw. Like, yeah.
1: Do you write any Harry Potter fan fiction?
0: You, you know, no, I don't. <laughs> I really Good. don't, Good. but Good. yeah, I, I'm maybe not that, maybe that's not little, that level. That's yeah. Too far. <laughs> yeah. Although I think I would die if the kitchen was right next to my place. So I might be Hufflepuff like a little bit. <laughs> 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 okay, cool. So question number two, if you, if you could eat only one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, does it have to be healthy? No. Like, you, OK, because you remember that guy who uh, he did you see that documentary a few years ago that he only ate McDonald's for every meal for a month and he got like really fat and really sick. Yes. Um, what about environmental impact? That doesn't matter either.
0: No, 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 no. We're just talking right, in, a, right. in a hypothetical. No consequences. no consequences. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. A nice piece of steak, filet, ribeye, something like that.
0: Every so, day, breakfast, lunch and day. dinner. Yeah, every, everything. <laughs> love it, love it. That's awesome. Um, OK, Question number three, what was your favorite pandemic
1: purchase? Um, I, the thing that I probably get the most use out of was actually a ping pong table. <gasps> but, okay. and, so, but, and to be fair, it wasn't necessarily a, uh, a pandemic purchase because it was actually purchased before the pandemic, but it arrived... Literally the same hour that my kids, back in March of 2020, the same hour my kids were sent home from school and told that they weren't coming back for the rest of the year. So the timing was perfect and we used the heck out of it and still do. Uh, and it's just a great way. Like I, did a, I, I wanted to get one because I played with my dad growing up. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I have a teen and a preteen, both boys. And it's just a great way to hang out and chat about their day, school, whatever, and without, you know, and I get a bunch of great information, uh, just to bond there. And like, instead of just grilling them on, okay, what about this? What about this? Yeah. What about this?
0: I, I totally They're getting pretty feel good you. Too. Are you guys, I can see you guys just, I, I want to see that montage, right. Of the, like from the beginning to the <laughs> end of the, I'm sure you guys have gotten so good. <laughs> I, I had a ping pong table growing up too, and it was such a great family bonding so that's a great answer. Um I think mine um it was either an air fryer or um we got it, it's mostly all cooking stuff. Like I got like a like a toaster oven that I really love and that's how I know I'm turning 30 this year is that I'm getting so excited about a toaster oven, but <laughs> What kind of toaster oven was it? It was a Breville toaster oven. Um Does it that... have
1: the uh, a bit more button on it?
0: No, what is that?
1: It's just a, it's a bit more. If you want to cook the toast for a bit more. I'm, it just I'm,
0: adds some time. That's I, I think it's
1: that actual model. Um, Cause we got one, I don't know, a few months ago and that's the only thing I care. My kids and I are like, it's a bit more, do it a bit more. Like, a just, bit more. There's literally a button that says <laughs> a bit more.
0: That's, that's a really genius. I, I didn't think that they could innovate anymore, you know, with the <laughs> toaster oven, but that's incredible. Um, Okay, so thank you so much for doing our rapid fire get to know you. Um, I want to keep going with this rapid fire format a little bit and ask you some true or false questions about virtual reality. Okay. Um, And these are some kind of maybe common myths or concerns that people might have about virtual reality and um, yeah, I just want you to kind of talk us through that a little bit. So my first question is, um, true or false VR training is way more expensive than traditional
1: training. Uh, definitely true. You certainly can't afford it. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, more expensive, uh, true or false. I, I mean, I, I'm going to say false. Uh, yeah. I, it can be more expensive. Certainly. I mean, it just depends on what you want to accomplish. Um, you know, a simple immersive experience is certainly going to be on par with uh, a lot of e-learning or, or video content. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, there are some off-the-shelf options where you can dip your toe. And, and importantly, I guess, the uh, prices of headsets keep going down as well. So, you know, I, it really depends. You know, do you want to make a Super Bowl commercial or do you want to make a commercial for uh, YouTube? You know, it's a lot of it's just what what are the production levels you want? Um, I could see people having that concern, um, you know, five years ago. Every day it gets easier and cheaper.
0: Yeah, I think that the headsets, which we're definitely going to talk about later, um, has really changed the game, right? Like, I mean, because before you had to have some, you know, insane amounts of hardware and things like that. And now it's just gotten a lot cheaper, but w- yep. we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, okay. Speaking about headsets, I want to know, some people have this concern that if you put a headset on, then you're, you'll get nauseous or it'll be, you know, you'll kind of get out of it and feel kind of weird. Like how true is that?
1: You know, I, I think that actually became a bit of a, a concern for people that first started using VR and were using really uh lousy, poorly made on on you know, cardboard headset mm-hmm. experiences. You know, people people uh, uh doing roller coasters in uh, cardboard, it's just horrible. I mean I hate it. It's that not gonna stuff. work. Uh the reality is that um, you know, do you normally get nauseous riding in the back seat of a car? You know, then you might be susceptible to motion sickness and a small portion, maybe 1% of the population has that issue. Um, but the, I mean, the, the bottom line is there's a disconnect. It's in your vestibular system that uh, without nerding out too much here. But if 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 your brain thinks you're moving and your body's not actually moving that causes a disconnect and that makes people feel bad. And then there's also just, you know, bad frame rates mean that the, it's jumpy or whatever. And that's, that's a lot of the, the lousy experiences that were in the past. But the mm-hmm. high end, uh, anything that's consumer level headset now has mm-hmm. gotten past that. So there's a very, very small percentage of the population that just, you know, they're, they're people that are prone to it's- motion sickness. And it's the same as, again, if you're riding in a car or something.
0: Yeah. So, so is our most VR training experiences done using headsets now? Is that kind of the norm?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's by its nature, it's fundamentally headset based. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you, you put it on your face and you're transported to a different place. Uh, you're it's like a teleportation device or a time machine. Um, you can be anywhere and and do anything.
0: Yeah. Um, how, how did they do it before headsets? Was, was there such a thing as VR before headsets at all?
1: I mean, it depends on how you want to actually define it. It goes as far back as essentially being kind of like, uh, you know, a view master. Uh, Mm -hmm. if you remember those that you would snap through with a stereoscopic kind of, uh, I mean, that's been around for, for years. Uh, and then there's also people have done things and and still do with kind of a 360 or a 180 set of screens where you're actually just surrounded by video playing around you. Um, you know, yeah. it just depends on your definition. Everything that we develop is generally headset first, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of not everybody has a headset. It's not always convenient, so we'll, we'll do cross platform meaning the same content can live on your desktop monitor or, or on your smartphone or tablet or something. Yeah. It's just a different uh, experience. It's not as immersive.
0: Okay. So, so immersive is the key with virtual yeah. reality then. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. You have to be totally immersed. Um, so how do you use a headset to like to create an immersive experience? Can you like walk us through a little bit what that looks like and feels like?
1: Yeah. I mean, so, you know, basically the headset's the tool for viewing the experience and we build the experience based on what the clients you know partners need
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and that's usually you start with what's the overall goal uh specifically what's the what are the learning objectives and that typically drives everything um you know the overall process is usually we typically do it in three steps and i think most most groups that you would work with are are somewhat similar to this and that would be you know kind of intake development and then an end user pilot that you would do before it's released to the masses, and you know on the intake side, you want to know specifically what is the experience. And a lot of times people will have either existing training material or they'll have videos, and we can take that and we turn that into we call it a flow doc, but it's basically a uh, it's like a storyboard for your experience essentially, mm-hmm. um, and it's it could be similar to a lot of the scenario stuff you might see or, or procedural stuff you might see in a, in a typical e learning. And basically we'll take their information and we'll give it back to them in that format and say, you know, okay, here are the hundred steps of what you wanna do and your subject matter expert can look at that and go, okay, you know, step six should be step seven, that's red, it should be green and, and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then once we have that, that's our, that's our plan. And then we execute on the plan. And, and the biggest thing on the execution side is that, uh, are you familiar with the term um, agile development?
0: Yeah. Um, but you can explain it if you, if, yeah. Well, just so for anybody who it's doesn't t- know,
1: oftentimes it's used as a software uh, term, and and it is. I mean, in in that uh, environment, typically you have maybe two week sprints, which are mm-hmm. you know two weeks of work, and at the end of that, you have something that you're showing. Well, we actually move that to the customer side too, where every couple of weeks we actually give them content to view in the headset. Oh wow! Because especially because it's a relatively new medium, people aren't necessarily as comfortable actually working in it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you might think you might be expecting the matrix or minority report or Iron Man or something, and you have to actually see it to make sure that, you know, you're, you're getting what you want. Yeah. And so we'll do that every couple of weeks just to make, you know, because if you get off, if what you were expecting is different from what we are delivering after two weeks, okay, we can fix that. No problem. But if we Mm -hmm. wait, you know, eight or 12 weeks to do that, it's super hard to close that gap.
0: Yeah. So, so it seems like a lot of your work is, um, about kind of educating people on what the possibilities of VR are and like how you can, how they can use this technology is, would you, would you say that's accurate?
1: Yeah, for sure. It's like interesting. Ed- uh, there's a, a you know to to be on to stay on point with ATD here yeah. um, I was just uh, participating in a focus group a couple days ago and with a bunch of people from ATD and we were talking through you know where are people actually in the kind of customer discovery or buying journey and it feels like there's there's a few discrete steps um, a lot of people are in the you know, what is it, phase? You know, what is AR? What is VR? You know, like what is it, what is it? What is M. There's all these acronyms that just drive me bonkers, but yeah. Uh, so we just kind of say VR. You're in a headset, you're doing a thing, it's virtual, it's it's immersive. But then the next step is, okay, I got what it is. How do I use it? You know? What's the ROI? Why do you, why would I, you know, like, what's the, give me examples. And usually mm-hmm. that's where we get into, okay, here's a case study on, you know, here's how Delta used it to train their ramp employees. Or mm-hmm. here's how UPS used it to train people loading trucks, you know, and give specific examples. Yeah. And then there's a, the smallest portion is actually at the on the other side of the spectrum. And what they're interested in is, okay, great. We understand what it is, how it's used, we're using it. But how do you actually take it from just one kind of proof of concept and scale it throughout the entire enterprise? Mm -hmm. And so we just have to very early on in the process, you know, when we're talking, we'll say, okay, uh, you know, uh, Neha, um, what's your experience level with it? Have you built anything already? You know, Mm -hmm. what do you want to get out of it? And then we can talk to the specific level that you want.
0: So what have been your biggest like success case studies? You know, like when is VR best utilized um, for, for managers who are kind of wondering like, oh, is VR right for me? Or, you know, is should I should I get into educating myself about this topic? You know, who who um, what's the best case scenario for VR?
1: So there's a lot of uh, you know, let me use. Uh, A project that we've been doing uh, we've done a few but one specific one there's a case study on our website and I'll just talk about that to give you to to make Mm -hmm. it a little bit more concrete so uh, Delta uh, Airlines has a team of people on the ground that when the plane comes into the terminal you know they have a half an hour or so to turn it around safely and securely and get it back out Mm -hmm. and You've seen them, you know. If you look out the windows when you're when you're getting ready to board, they're they're loading bags and moving the plane and, and yeah, all sorts and of doing stuff. The- yeah, exa- yes, yes. yes. Uh, <laughs> doing if the if hand people can see it, it's the yeah. batons. But well, that's actually one of the things we're working on, which is really cool in VR. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and so that's a super hard environment to train in, mm-hmm. right? Because it's dangerous. You can't even get an employee badge for a while to get them down there, um, and so that's just a great example of one, one of the value props in that you can train people to be in a hazardous environment without having to have them actually be there. But in addition to that, there's the, you know, that's, that's kind of the people and the safety piece. There's also just the cost. Um, You can't take a plane out of service to actually train people on it, you know, drive it around and use fuel and practice bringing it in and out. Mm -hmm. Right. So how do you do that without, uh, so so you can actually train in a virtual environment without having a lot of the costs associated with it. And the same goes for a production line, you know, in a, in a UPS facility or, I mean, a manufacturing facility or a UPS sorting line or something. You can't just take it down and train people on it, whether it's the people that are working on it or the people that are working under it, you know, doing maintenance or whatnot. Yeah. Um, or consumables. You know, if you wanted to practice making uh, lattes at Starbucks, um, you know a great way to do that is to not use up all of the milk and cream and the machines and whatever else. And there's a lot of other examples like that. Those are some specific ones.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's super interesting. So it sounds like, okay, repeatable kind of, um, things that are hazardous, things that are, um, yeah, you don't want to use up a lot of resources learning it. So, so that, that's it. That's the best case scenario for training. Right. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how, what this training would look like. Like, so do you send headsets to everybody at home, you know, so that they can practice like, and how much does that cost? Our headsets are really expensive these days or like, you know what I mean? I, I know that there's new headsets like the Oculus and things like that, that have made it really cheap. H- has it made it that much cheaper? Has it like revolutionized kind of, it, um, the, the process?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, the, the biggest story in virtual reality over the last year, definitely in 2020, uh, 2020 uh, mm-hmm. and into 2021 as well, um, has been the advent of these all-in-one mobile headsets. Mm-hmm. And the one that everyone's familiar with because they're doing a crazy amount of uh, marketing, which is awesome for our industry, is the Oculus Quest. Specifically, yeah. the Quest 2 came out recently, and I think they're up somewhere around 10 million units. Oh, wow. Um, and the price point for the consumer version is three hundred dollars, so it's pretty accessible uh, for someone who you know is is into the the type of te- that type of technology. Most of the consumer use cases for it are actually in gaming, mm-hmm. but that's also driven costs coming down. And uh, you know, one of the things that. So these are essentially a way to think about them is they're basically smartphones, but with a a case around them and some other. So the reason why VR is as far along as it is, is because all of the innovations around the billions of smartphones out there with screen size and resolution and processing capabilities and all that stuff has actually... the headset manufacturers in VR just stand on their shoulders, you know, and and take advantage of all those innovations and that's why it's gotten to be so good at such a relatively low price point. I mean, I know we'd we'd all like it to be less, but if you think about it, it to compare and contrast it, if you just go out and buy your iPhone, I mean, that's yeah. what, 700 bucks, 800 bucks yeah, easily. These are being sold for 300. So It's crazy. You know,
0: yeah, it's um, super accessible. One of my friends actually is, he uses a wheelchair and he got one um, and he you know, he has some like issues with using his hands and stuff and he got one and he was playing that Beat Saber game yeah. um, and he lost his mind. He loved it. He was like, I've never been able to play video games before, but now I can because, you know, I, it's super accessible to me, like price wise and, you know, accessibility like, you know, for, for him. So it's been super cool to see just how these devices are entering into the mainstream. Um, I really think that's really cool. And and because of that, I think that VR is entering the mainstream of training as well. Um, Cause people are now like, oh yeah, we can afford this. We can do it like, you know, yeah, we could give a $200 headset to, to employees and stuff. So that's yeah. awesome. I really think, I mean, maybe revolution is, is a strong word, but I definitely <laughs> think that VR is entering the mainstream these days. Um, and okay, so with it now entering the mainstream, I think that some people are maybe a little bit concerned about um, like privacy and data a little bit, you know, like. It's a little creepy, right? Like it's a little (laughs) creepy how it how the VR, the technology, you know, the the software can predict your movement and create a little like avatar of yourself in another reality. It's it's very futuristic. It's a little bit. Yeah, it's a little creepy. Um, So people want to make sure that their privacy and stuff is is protected. Um, how, how do y'all at Foundry 45 kind of address that or, you know, like what, what's the conversation around that?
1: Yeah. I mean, the great thing about VR is that it's a digital environment so you can track everything, right? How fast Mm -hmm. you did something, the order you did it in, whether you got it right or wrong. Uh, you can even track things like eye movement or you can really get into even deeper stuff because you can track, uh, your stress levels, right? Which is amazing. Well, (laughs) But it actually shows, it actually allows you to train at the optimal stress level, right? It's like not too much, but enough to keep you engaged, which yeah. is, there's a lot of research around that that's pretty interesting. So that's pretty like cool, right?
0: Heart rate tracking, is that how yeah. it does? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. Yeah, or, and
1: some of the eyes tracking gets, it's incredible how much information you can get from that. But that's Eye pretty tracking, cool, right? It's yeah. It's super
0: cool. It's super, super cool. So, uh, yeah. The
1: bad thing about VR. Is that it's a digital environment and you can track everything, right? I mean, yep. it's the same. It's just two sides <laughs> of the same coin and that can be scary. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for us personally, like, uh, as a company, excuse me, um, we handle that by uh, two different ways, mainly. I mean, It depends on whether it's a just a proof of concept, you know, or it's an enterprise level experience mm-hmm. for a proof of concept. We're just not going to we're, we're not tracking anything. I mean, we're, well, we're tracking things, but we're not we're not storing any data. We can show a user a, sco- a score, but at the end of it, that's that's it. You take it off and, you know, it's not any different from you playing Beat Saber, which you mentioned earlier. Yeah. Um, for enterprise level engagements, we connect directly with a company's learning management system or LMS. Right. And that's a very standard content management system that most large companies use. And Without nerding out too much on it, um, they have what are called APIs, which are basically computer connectors that allow us to actually pass information from the headset to their systems. And they can give us an encrypted number for, you know, uh, uh, Neha's, uh, uh, you know, 1234578910. And mm-hmm. we, they pass us that. And we say, okay, you do whatever you're doing. And we just pass that number back. And I mean, long story short, we don't use any personally identifiable information. I don't want that. I don't want to be part of it because the the yeah. you know the Coca Colas of the world have already worked out that they're going to allow Cornerstone to manage their personal information, and they have big long legal agreements with Cornerstone that say this is what they're doing with it, and mm-hmm. we just want to be outside of that altogether.
0: I that is reassuring to me, to be honest with you. I mean, just as somebody who you know might use one of these systems or something, I it reassures me to know that everything's encrypted, everything is anonymized. um, And I really appreciate that. Yeah, because, you know, with all of these new technologies and with kind of feeling like we're in this dystopian future kind of, you know, (laughs) with like VR headsets and stuff, like, yeah, it it makes me feel good to know that that that, that safeguard exists for sure. Um, The IT
1: departments, uh, corporate IT departments are very serious about this. So, you know, they're great. That was good. That's I mean, good to hear. But at the end of the day, you know, people, people, uh, it's understandable that some people have privacy concerns. Yeah. Totally get it.
0: Do you feel like we're in a dystopian future? Like, does that something that you feel like on a daily basis kind of working for a company like this? Or is this, have you kind of gotten over it by now?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, there's some, there's some, you know, I like sci-fi as much as the next guy, and there's some some kind of fun. Uh, you can you can Google some uh, YouTube videos that uh, you know show people huddling in a corner with their VR headset on and yeah. get all very Ready Player One, uh-huh. um, but. You know, a lot of what we do actually is relatively collaborative. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that all have multiplayer in it. I don't think it's necessarily that different. from. I, I think it's actually a step up from, you know, playing Minecraft and you know, yeah. talking, to your, talking to your friends on Discord while you do it. Uh, that's my yeah. opinion. Um, I, you know, it's just yeah. another, it's part of the evolution. I don't, it could be good or bad. It's technology. How are we going to use it?
0: For sure. For sure. Um, so, OK, so I want to kind of pivot to talking about how um, the pandemic has changed the industry a little bit um, with headsets being at an all time low price with um, this kind of global you know global kind of catastrophe that happened to all of us at once have you seen a change in the vr training industry as to like um you know has it accelerated the need at all for vr training and how have you guys addressed that
1: yeah so i mean a couple things one uh you know everything was crazy last summer a year ago summer uh, Mm um while everybody tried to figure out what it was that they were doing but the good news is that, yeah, because what we're doing is we're working in a virtual environment and everyone is getting very comfortable with working virtually, you know, whether we want to or not. Um, so that has actually opened a lot of doors because people in the past weren't necessary. you know, some people's lights were on and some people weren't yet, but more people are actually thinking about it now. Um, so that's been a real positive. Uh, and there's a lot of strong benefits to using it to get. You mentioned the idea of of uh, actually, you know, sending people headsets to get them up and going. Um, yeah, I mean, if you can, if you're training somebody how to actually load a truck, and once you've onboarded them and they're on your payroll and you send them a headset and they start doing their training, uh, you know, virtually, then they can hit the ground running well before uh, they actually you know, are literally on site doing doing the task. Um, so yeah it's, a, yeah, it's a great way to do that. And there's a lot of really cool onboarding things you can do in general, just from the standpoint of, you know, more on the soft skills side, you'd be surprised at how uh, advanced some things around... You know, diversity, inclusion, uh, sexual harassment, um, just kind of your your general things that are very important as you're onboarding to make sure that people understand that. And, and also col- company culture in general. You know, it's hard. It's always hard to, if you're working remotely to to convey your corporate culture. Yeah. But if you can actually immerse somebody in that, and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to just transport them to your corporate headquarters or whatever, but it yeah. does, does give you a chance to... You know, get face to face with the, you know, the VP of uh, your group or the CEO or or whomever, and just learn a little bit more about the the company and and why you should care.
0: That's super cool. I love the idea of training soft skills over VR. Is that something that Foundry Forty Five might start getting into? I know that your main thing is is kind of hard skill technical training kind of a thing, but. Is is that something that you would consider doing? Um, <laughs> yeah, like no, soft for skills?
1: sure. For sure. Uh, you know, for people that are actually in the uh, southeast, we like to talk about the fact that uh, we're a little more Georgia Tech than SCAD. Yeah. Um, but that said, we really appreciate the other side. And yeah, definitely. Um, we've done some pretty cool branching narrative stuff uh, with groups like uh, U.S. Bank and, and a few others with uh, so CDC. Uh, mm-hmm. for example, about uh, some more of the soft skills side of things. and it's a it's an exciting area right now. there's a lot there's a lot going on there. There's some really interesting stuff going on in the uh, kind of law enforcement area right now, too, mm-hmm. whereas everything in the past was always around, um, you know, yeah. how well do you shoot the gun, right? And mm-hmm. now the the conversation has really changed, which is awesome to. The biggest the biggest thing people are talking about now is de escalation, Mm -hmm. right? How how do you not shoot your gun and how do you deal with the situation? And in much the same way that you could teach a diversity inclusion uh, class in VR by putting you in environments with people that you might not necessarily be, you know, if you haven't been around a transgendered employee or if you haven't dealt with persons of color that you know, like so, it's a it's an easy way to actually at least give somebody. Uh, an immersive experience there and then again on the on the de-escalation side yeah put somebody in a in a very dangerous environment and let them work through it and make mistakes without having the consequences
0: it that blows my mind i feel like the possibilities are totally endless Um, yeah yeah, that's so crazy and i i really um i would love to you know, kind of, is there any way that people can experience these things? Like, can they come to the Foundry 45 office and check out the headset or anything? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, hit me up, hit me up. Uh,
1: You know, you can reach us at (laughs) foundry45.com. You know, there's a lot of information there. There's a contact us. Uh, I'm super active on LinkedIn. You know, just look for Dave Beck on LinkedIn. Uh, You know, connect with me. I'm I'm always willing to meet new people there. And yeah, uh, the great part about the mobile headset revolution over the last couple of years is that it's made it so much easier for us to come to you too, right? In the past, I mean, we had mobile Pelican cases that were decent sized that we'd bringing over and set up the computer and the headset and all the little, you know, the tripods and stuff. And we don't have to do any of that anymore. That's um, awesome. I can literally, it's one pound. I've got a little, little, you know, mini looking briefcase thing that holds a headset. And so we actually super easy to go see people too.
0: That is amazing. Okay, well, thank you so much, Dave, for for being on the show. I want to close the show with just one last kind of rapid fire question, and that is: um, Could you please describe the future of VR in one word?
1: <laughs> I feel like you kind of teed me up for that just a minute ago with what you said, something like uh, you know, unlimited. Or, no, yeah. I'm gonna say unlimited. I'm gonna say unlimited. Unlimited. Uh, you said something yeah. similar.
0: Revolutionary, um, maybe. I think that's yeah, what said I was saying. Like yeah. That, yeah,
1: yeah. There's I, been a lot of talk about the uh, the metaverse lately, you know, with ooh. Zuckerberg publicly stating that Facebook is a metaverse company. Yeah. Um, a couple weeks ago you did that. And What, what is the
0: metaverse maybe for people who don't know? <laughs> I'm like, for people who don't know. <laughs> I was gonna, you can just define <laughs>
1: it in any way you want. That's, oh, that's no. a part of the excitement here. Uh, I mean, basically it's the idea that, you know, you're, you're not just like on your computer, you're in your computer, right? You're you're being immersed in the experience, not just mm-hmm. kind of seeing it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you say what you will about Facebook, and, and I've probably said a lot of it. <laughs> but... Um, the fact that he's actually talking about it, it's, it's interesting to see how that's actually moved the conversation forward. And it's yeah. already, there's a backlash to feeling like just using that. I, I'm almost hesitant to even use that word right now because it seems like I'm just pandering to the uh, masses. Yeah. But, but it's interesting because, like, that is a huge there's just this huge opportunity out there. There's a huge, uh, whether it's in VR or it's in augmented reality or, or NFTs or whatever. I mean, I don't know all these, these, these buzzwords right now. Yeah. Um, it's just, there's so much, uh, on the horizon and there's so much that's happening right now. It's just, it's a very exciting place to be. And if you don't know a lot about it, um, I definitely encourage you to, to check it out. And whether that's with us or with anybody, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities to do that right now.
0: Yeah, I highly encourage everybody to go connect with Dave on LinkedIn. Um, you always have Thursday kind of cool talks and great Thursday discussions. Things. Thursday things, that's right. Um, yeah. Thursday things. Um, and then foundry 45s, right. Where you have 45 second clips of, um, of interviews. Every and stuff. Tuesday at two. That's yeah. <laughs> Some really great content. I learned a lot just by kind of scrolling through your profile. Um, cause I really feel like this is definitely the future. Um, we're, or not even the future. It's kind of, it's the present. It's happening right now guys. So, um, yeah. So thank you so much for, for being on the show with us, Dave. Um, if, you ever want to connect with Dave, can you just drop your email again, um, your email or however people can get in contact with you?
1: Yeah, it's Dave at Foundry45.com.
0: Awesome. Um, and if you want to check out more episodes like this of with interviews full of cool people, please hit us up at the ATDAtlanta.org um, website, or you can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Uh, see you next time. Uh, goodbye.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Deha.
0: Bye!